Welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show. This is Jeff Young, your host. I'm so glad that you're here today. It's a beautiful Thursday. And, uh, you know, I wasn't with you yesterday. I apologize for that. I I actually spent the day, the, the morning, uh, preparing lunch for uh, 30 priests and deacons um, around our area here. Uh, they had a dairy meeting and luncheon. And uh, my wife and I, my kids even joined in. I couldn't have done it without them. Uh, we we uh, made a full Middle Eastern, actually, Lebanese uh, spread uh, for their dining enjoyment for lunch. It was quite uh, quite an event. And uh, so you had to listen to me and uh, and, and Sarah Vabulous, the Catholic drinky, again yesterday. Uh, today is a new day, though, and I'm very excited. You know, I mentioned the other day that uh, this coming weekend, Memorial Day weekend, we have one of the, my, my, actually, my favorite, my personal favorite uh, springtime festival in New Orleans is uh, the Greek Fest. Uh, they call it the Greek Fest. Uh, the website is Greek Fest NOLA, N-O-L-A for New Orleans, Louisiana, GreekFestNOLA.com. And uh, this is, you know, why, why is the Greek Fest so important to us? I, I don't, I can't really put it into words. You know, it, it's, uh, I think I've mentioned to you before, my, my wife is of Lebanese descent and uh, there's a lot of similarities in the culture, the music, the food, uh, the people of, of Lebanon and also of, of Greece and uh, very interesting because you go to uh, Middle Eastern or, or Greek or Lebanese restaurants around uh, my part, my neck of the woods, and typically you're going to see the name of the restaurant and then behind it you'll see Greek slash Lebanese. So they, the two are paired together. We love it. My wife and I have been going to this uh, fair, this festival um, for probably about 20 years uh, every year and uh, my kids love it. They, they like to work there. They work in the Greek grocery that's part of the festival. And to kind of give you a taste, a flavor of what this Greek Fest is all about, we have a special guest joining us from the Greek Fest. Her name is Gail Silos. Gail, welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate your having us on, and we look forward to your coming to the festival. Well, I know that uh, last year was, I think it was uh, the 150th anniversary. Is that right? The 150th last year? That's right. We were the very first Greek Orthodox Church in all of North and South America, and we celebrated 150 years last year. And actually, we continue to celebrate with all of our Greek traditions. And uh, we certainly are a New Orleans tradition after 42 years. We will be celebrating our 42nd anniversary this year. That is amazing. And I know, and I've, I've mentioned that too um, in, in talking to, to various folks and even on the radio here, that, you know, the Greek Fest is in, in essence really like a church fair, a church festival, but it, it has become so much more than that in New Orleans. Yes, it's very, we are very cultural and, and Greeks, as our Lebanese, we're very passionate about our heritage and our faith. And and uh, certainly about our city of New Orleans, and we put it all together. And uh, you know, Greeks love to eat and have a wonderful time, and so goes the city of New Orleans. So we blend <laughs> in very, very well. I think so. I certainly think so. I know. Uh, you know, it, it's always a good time. You know, the springtime. Typically, at this time of the year, the the evenings are still very mild, and so you're outside. You have uh, wonderful Greek music playing and lots of dancing going on. Of course, the smell of the of the food, the lamb cooking on a spit. Um, yeah. And 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 the the you know always go inside and get a box of pastries. Come back, sit 
sit outside right there on St. John, Bayou St. John, and enjoy the cool of the evening uh, on Friday and, and Saturday evening, and uh, just be with friends and family. I mean, it's just a, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful celebration. So I know what to expect, but for folks who maybe have never been to the Greek Fest, what can they expect if they come this weekend? Well, first, let me tell you that we do have free parking at the former JFK High School site. So there is parking over there, and we, we have shuttle vans that go back and forth. So let me say that so that you can get here easily. Awesome. And we have additional parking this year on the corner of Paris Avenue and Robert E. Lee. And the shuttle van will go back and forth from there as well. But once you get on the ground, it's just a melding of wonderful scents and aromas. You can come into the grocery and buy some hors d'oeuvres, buy a bottle of wine or a daiquiri and sit on the bayou and enjoy yourself. You can buy lamb by the pound and we call them gyros, what everybody knows as a gyro, delicious gyros and pizza bread with tzatziki sauce and onions. And we have souffle which is uh, either pork or chicken, shish kebab, served in pizza bread. And we have wonderful goat burgers, which are very popular in Greece. And they're very lean and healthy for you. And the goat burgers are delicious. But there's an array of cheeses and dips. And you can just come and purchase those and go sit out on the bayou, enjoy the music and friends and company and just people watch. It's just wonderful. And you can take a canoe ride down by St. John. So we offer that. And we have a terrific kids area. There's face painting and a rock climbing wall. And for toddlers who are aged two to five, we have a little bouncer, which is covered and protected from the sun where parents can take their children. And we have a slide for the kids who are a little bit older, between say five and, and 10 years old. So uh, an inflatable slide. So there's lots to do for everybody. And of course, we can't forget our, our wonderful cathedral tours. If I'm going too fast for you, Jeff, let me know and I'll certainly slow down. Oh, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, our cathedral tours, in, uh, Father George Wilson, who's our new dean of the community, has been here for about a year now. This will be his first festival, but he's looking forward to hosting everybody during the tours and talking about the iconography and why the church is built the way it is and the positions of the icons. And uh, it's all very, very spiritual and wonderful and enjoying. And we have a tremendous amount of antiquities, icon antiquities and vestments and chalices that we talk about. And we have a, a, a PowerPoint show that we show everybody and share some of our heritage and culture with. So uh, there, there's really a lot for everyone. And of course, our Hellenic dancers perform on stage on Friday twice a day and on Saturday and Sunday three times a day. So um, it's, it's just a, a terrific place for family, excuse me, family and friends. 
I know I always enjoy um, the, taking the tour on uh, of the church, you know, of the the cathedral there, and it, it's just it's so beautiful. Uh, the icons, uh, the 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 altar is is very different than uh, uh, you know than, than what I'm used to. You know, when I'm Catholic, so we walk into a Catholic church. Right. I mean, the, the similarities are there, obviously, but but there's there's a, a definite difference there that I really appreciate, and I I, I, I love that, and it's also awesome because sometimes on Saturday during the day, it gets to be really hot. And so you get to go in into the cool of the church and pray and, and learn a little bit about our history, you know, from the church. It really is, um, you know, it's a combination of food and faith. It's, it's bringing together, which is what the Catholic foodie is all about. It's all about bringing together or highlighting rather this connection that we have between food and faith and how, how food brings us together. I mean, sacramentally, we see that of course, and, and the, in the Eucharist and Holy Communion, but also, uh, just around the family table. And, you know, I tell you, we normally go, so um, every, well, I've mentioned that every year, and we're usually there all three days. Now this mm-hmm. year, this year we we're kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen. My, my wife is, you know, we're expecting uh, baby number four, and oh, congratulations! Uh, well, thank you, and and she's only got about two and a half weeks left. And so oh. <laughs> we know we're going to uh, uh, be there on Saturday all day and, and hopefully find a cool place for her to sit and to, to relax and, and to, to enjoy the day. Uh, but my kids, uh, they look forward to this so much. They, they like to cook, or not to cook, but to, to help in the, um, in the grocery. They, my, my son helps with uh, the olives and the pita and my girls uh, work over with the, the herbs, you know, and they help out, mm-hmm. help out there. So it's, uh, really a, a beautiful thing to experience for the kids. Um, what about uh, the, the music? I know that y'all have a, a Greek band, I believe, that comes from, is it Atlanta? Well, this band is coming. We have a different band this year, and they're coming from South Carolina. And they're called A Night in Athens. Mm. And they're very popular along the East Coast. So uh, we've heard them play, and they're wonderful. So they'll be out there playing so that everybody can come and dance under the stars. Our Hellenic dancers go out and they'll teach people how to dance Greek if they want to learn. But people are encouraged to just join in and and they'll learn the footsteps as they dance. But it's very enjoyable. And, you know, you mentioned your son works with the Kalamata Olives. This year we're featuring Kalamata Olives. And uh, we have several items that are made with the olives, and we bring them right from Greece. Now, Kalamata olives from Greece are different than what you typically buy in the grocery store. They're much larger, and they're in a very rich uh, Kalamata oil. And the oil from these olives that come from Greece has wonderful medicinal value. Uh, It's Kalamata olive oil and olives are very famous and known for their health um, their, their health attributes. And so we'll be doing Kalamata bread and we have Kalamata focaccia and an orzo pasta with Kalamata in them and, uh, ol- and green onions and, and Kalamata olive oil. So uh, there's a lot to be had and an uh, olive pompanade. So we have a little corner that's dedicated to Kalamata olives. The, the land, the, the, um, 
the land in Galamata is a very fertile land and produces just such large, beautiful olives mm. from which they derive the um, wonderful olive oil. That is awesome. And I, I want to talk about the, the olives some more, but I also want to talk about some of the Greek foods when we come back from the break. We got to take a break here. This is the Catholic Foodie Show, and we'll be right back. Show. This is Jeff Young, your host. I'm so excited today to be talking with Gail Silos of uh, Holy Trinity Greek, Greek Orthodox Church, uh, the home of a Greek festival in New Orleans. And uh, before the break, we're talking, Gail, about the Kalamata olives. And uh, boy, they just got me so hungry. I'm thinking of these these olives and, and, and all the delicious food that is there. Uh, we touched on some of the different items that are available uh, during the course of, of the week. And of course, you've got uh, various tents and whatnot set up outside where they sell the lamb by the pound, uh, where they they have the gyros and, and the uh, uh, the very the, the baklava Sunday and all these wonderful things that, that you can get at the Greek fest. But inside, they have uh, an actual Greek dinner where you can get uh, a big box dinner that, that includes a sample of of several different dishes. What does that include? Well, that includes what we call pastizio, which is like a Greek lasagna. It has a bechamel sauce on the top and layers of macaroni and a wonderful divine meat mixture with cinnamon and cloves in it. And we have a tiropita, which is a cheese triangle. Most people know what those are. They serve them in many places around town. Um, but ours are wonderful. They're handmade. And tiestedes, which are Greek meatballs. And we have a, you get a small Greek salad with that, as well as a doma, which is a stuffed grape leaf, and it's stuffed with rice. Now, you can also get a vegetarian plate at the on the dinner line, and that's, you get a spanakopita, which is a, uh, a spinach and cheese-filled uh, triangle, and a tiropita, and you get two rice-filled domadas as well, in addition to the salad. So uh, we have something for everyone, certainly. And inside is the, of course, famous pastry line where you can either <laughs> buy a box, a box of mixed pastries or you can choose which ones you like the most and pick those out from the line and buy them a la carte individually. That's right. Uh, and yeah. some of those, some of those, like the, the baklava, I think a lot of people are exposed to that, but there are so many different pastries that you have on that line that that a lot of a lot of folks just don't know about what is the there's that one is it uh Gala, galata borka galata budico which is a milk cream filling oh my gosh. and it's wrapped in phyllo dough and has <laughs> a, a syrup a simple syrup glaze on it which is I mean, just absolutely mouth-watering oh, yeah. delicious. Yeah, I, I like to get just a box of those. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. That is yeah. so good. Now, you know, all this food that you have, and you, you mentioned this earlier, this is this homemade stuff, right? And yeah. uh, it, it must take a lot of work because y'all have so many people, I mean, thousands and thousands of people who come through there over the course of the weekend. It must take a lot of work and a lot of time of, of preparation before the festival even gets here, huh? Absolutely. We begin actually in January. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, we, we start preparing and, and assessing and strategizing 
immediately after each festival um, in June, and we determine what our needs will be for the next festival based on um, how we did for this festival. But we actually begin preparing things in January, uh, and we cook everything and bake everything the last week of the festival. Mm, so wow. all of that, you know, there's prep and then it's all baked the last two weeks and cooked the last two weeks. So we're here from five o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. Most, <laughs> most days, the last two weeks of the festival, it's a labor getting of love. everything prepared. That's right. Labor of love. And I know at the fest itself, I mean, one of the things that's just such a treat, I mean, I, I love this. I'm a sucker for it. But uh, the lambs, you had four spits in operation at the same time and lambs just roasting on this op- these open spits. Uh, what a beautiful thing to see. And if I remember correctly, and, and please do correct me if I'm wrong, but y'all go through, I think, about 40 lambs or so every every year. Is that right? Actually, more than that, yes. <laughs> I, I don't don't remember exactly the count, but this year it's it's more than that. Last year we went through, I think, about 55. Oh, wow. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. We go through quite a few lambs. Lambs are, they're very popular. The way we marinate them and the way we spice them are, I mean, it's just so wonderful and, and savory and delicious. And it's so simple, too. It's not like it's overpowering. It really does enhance the flavor of the, the meat itself. It's a, it's a, it's, ooh, I love it. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, garlic is king, you know? Oh, that's right. Garlic oh, yeah. is what makes it <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. that garlic. Now, other people may not like to be around me after I eat all of that, but it's, uh, it's good stuff. I remember oh, so probably two or three years ago, um, I had the pleasure of, of stepping behind the, uh, the, 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 the uh, gate there and getting to, uh, to help some of the folks, uh, some of the guys actually sew up a lamb and put a, put it on, on the spit. That's, that mm-hmm. too is a, definitely a labor of love is a lot more to it than I, I th- thought, you know, a lot more to it than from what you normally see from the outside. And what I learned is that because he actually, you know, once it's attached to the bar and you actually have to attach the lamb, the back of the lamb to a, uh, a bar with, with bolts so that it doesn't, right. doesn't slide when, when the pole rotates, it has to hold it in place. But the reason they would sew it up is because in a sense, it kind of creates a little, uh, oven inside the cavity mm-hmm. there so that it cooks almost from the inside out. I had never known that before. It was uh, 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 an eye-opening experience for me and, and just a, a delight to actually kind of get in the kitchen, so to speak, and, and to cook with, uh, with y'all. That was a lot of fun. Well, we're glad you were there to see it, but it, there is an art to roasting a lamb, a lamb on an open spit for sure. And, uh, the, the gentlemen that we have doing it here, they are very particular in the way that it's done and you know, that we leave it to them because they are the experts. <laughs> that's right. And you know, that's, you always have to have, uh, on, on a weekend like this in, in May and in South Louisiana, it's, it tends to be kind of hot. You always have to have something cool to drink. And, uh, I remember, I love coffee. I'm a big coffee person. And I remember, uh, last year really enjoying the frappes. 
the frappes are wonderful. Uh, another thing you can do is get a frappe and get some lucumadas, which we call Greek vinaigrettes. They're served with honey and cinnamon. They're they're very light and airy like vinaigrettes, and they're deep fried. And then they come out in little puffs, and we sprinkle honey and walnuts and cinnamon on top, and they're just delightful. And that, along with the frappe, which is frothy iced coffee. Um, that they serve at the Lupumada's booth is very, very refreshing. And uh, it's just what you need on a warm afternoon sitting by the bayou. I'm with you on that. You want to give us the uh, the hours of when the uh, festival will be in operation? And I think there is a uh, an entrance fee as well. Yes, there is. The entrance fee is $7. And that gives you a ticket to get in. And also it gives you a chance to win a raffle for a thousand dollars. And that drawing is done uh, nine o'clock on Sunday night. Uh, and we call the person who wins that evening. So they know that they've won a thousand dollars, but like uh, the hours are Friday, five o'clock to 11 PM. Saturday is 11 to 11 PM. And Sunday is 11 to 9 PM. So we welcome everybody. It's a great, fun time. Friday night, we also have a a 5K run or walk, uh, whichever people choose to do. It starts at 6 o'clock. Registration is through New Orleans Track Club. And uh, it begins on the corner of Wisner and Robert E. Lee, and it ends here at the church. So uh, everybody is welcome. There's something for everybody. And we look forward to hosting the New Orleans community and as far as Baton Rouge and Biloxi, people come to visit us here. And we will be there. (laughs) I'm very excited about it. Gail, thank you so much for joining us today on the Catholic Foodie Show. I look forward to uh, meeting you in person uh, this weekend. And again, if anybody needs more information about the Greek Fest, they can always give uh, look you up online at uh, GreekFestNola.com. Yes, thank you, Jeff. And Yasu, which means have a wonderful time. And the literal translation is bless you. but we use it as a greeting as well as a goodbye. So, so yes, 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 is that right? Yes, sir. that's and, right. And what about opa? What does opa mean? Opa is something you say when you're having a great time and you want to express <laughs> your, we call it guessing. I don't know that there's any translation in English for it, but when you're out there dancing or you're having a good time, you say opa. Opa, I love it. I love it. Gail, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, I will see you uh, this weekend. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it, Jeff. Take care. All right. Well, that was awesome. Uh, I, I can't tell you how much I love uh, the Greek Fest and uh, just just a great, great time out there uh, with uh, family and friends. And as I mentioned, my kids love to do it. Uh, on Sunday, they have a, a, a toga contest, um, which we have done from time to time. Not that we're competing or anything, but uh, they are, there are toga contests out there. I'm so glad that Gail could join us today to talk a little bit about uh, the particulars, you know, the ins and outs, the behind the scenes of uh, Greek Fest. 
if you are have never been to a Greek festival, they have Greek festivals all over uh, the country. I know up in the along, along the eastern coast, they have uh, they have them every year too. Uh, so it's not something just particular here to New Orleans. And when we come back, we're gonna be taking a break in just a minute. When we come back, I'm gonna give you some recipes. Some of those recipes are going to be for Greek uh, foods, and some of them will be for uh, for just more Lebanese or Middle Eastern foods. So you're gonna get some recipes right here uh, on the Catholic Foodie Show. Uh, again, you're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio, realliferadio.com. We have an appeal right now. Uh, go check that out. GoFundMe.com slash Real Life Appeal. You can help us to improve the app, the Real Life app. Right, we'll be back in just a minute. the Catholic Foodie Show. This is Jeff Young, your host. I'm so glad that you're here. Man, that was great talking with Gail, wasn't it? Did you get hungry? <laughs> I know I did. Uh, anytime talking about food like that, uh, you start to talk about some of the things that you really enjoy to eat. And guess what? People, their ears sort of perk up. They're like, hey, what are you talking about? You know, maybe their stomach kind of starts to growl a little bit or their mouth starts to water. I find that, you know, food is uh, an amazing thing thing uh, that really does bring people together. And you, it, it makes sense, though, doesn't it? I mean, it really does make sense. And I think that that's why uh, something like Food Network and the Cooking Channel and all these things that we have on television, I mean, they're there for a reason. They're there because uh, we love to eat. And uh, I know growing up in South Louisiana, uh, living in New Orleans, uh, if, we're, if we're not eating, we're, we're talking about eating, you know, <laughs> and a lot of times it's not necessarily, we're not talking gluttony here. We're just talking simple enjoyment of good food. And that's a good thing. I think, you know, uh, back in November, I uh, had a book uh, published, uh, Ligori Publications published uh, my first book. It's called Around the Table with the Catholic Foodie, and the subtitle is Middle Eastern Cuisine. And uh, this book really came about, it was, uh, I guess, a combination of a couple of things. Number one, uh, I mentioned to you before that my wife is of Lebanese descent. Uh, her her grandparents came on her, on, her, on her dad's side. Her grandparents came from Lebanon, from Beirut uh, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and uh, that's that's where uh, her family is is from. And um, so when I started dating my wife, even I, my whole culinary world just opened up in a way that I had never dreamed it would. I was a very picky eater, believe it or not, when I was a child. And um, I, I, I go to her house for the first time and her mom has all this food that I don't eat, but it smelled so good. <laughs> it was amazing. You know, hummus, I love hummus. And I'm gonna give you a recipe, my recipe for hummus uh, just a few minutes. Um, but hummus was something that uh, I never would have touched as a, as a child and as a young adult even until I met my wife. Um, hummus is made out of beans, you know, and I, I just did not do the whole bean thing. Beans to me were not, uh, I mean, I thought that maybe God made a mistake when he made beans, you know, cause they were just so nasty. I just couldn't, and it wasn't 
the taste. I have to I do admit that it was not the taste of the beans. It was the texture. If you know what I'm talking about, the beans are kind of uh, almost gritty and that texture just did not sit well with me. Well, I remember going one of the first times I went over to uh, to my wife's uh, house and uh, this this woman, her mother, uh, my mother-in-law now, but at the time it was just, you know, my, my friend's mom um, in the kitchen making hummus. I'm like, oh, what's that? I mean, she doesn't even answer the question. You know, she just takes a, a, a piece of uh, pita bread, scoops up some hummus and hands it to me and says, here, eat this, you know? And <laughs> I, I didn't even make a, you know, question why I'm trying to impress this girl. You know, I'm trying to impress her. And of course, I want to make her mama happy. So I eat it. And uh, guess what? I loved it. I mean, this is great. I had, I didn't even know what it was and I loved it. It was only after the fact that I learned that, um, that was, that was hummus, which is made from uh, chickpeas and, and it was chickpeas or beans, but that, so that was a turning point for me. You know, I often credit my wife for that, that she opened up, uh, me, at least my, my culinary repertoire. She opened it wide open, um, after I met her, just introducing me to, from, you know, to one thing after the next sushi was something and she introduced me to, which is not Middle Eastern. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, sushi is a, a, a Japanese uh, cuisine, but she opened me up to that, and then all all types of uh, of, of Middle Eastern foods that I had never heard of before. <laughs> So that was part of where this book came from is the fact that I have been eating and and then I learned how to cook. So I've been cooking Middle Eastern foods, Lebanese foods uh, for goodness, probably well over 16 years. My wife and I have been married for 16 years, so probably uh, about 18 years or so, uh, if not if not a little longer. And, uh, and, and, and we love it. And this is something that is normal at our house. We make hummus on a regular basis, matter of fact. Uh, not, I guess it was last year, almost last summer. You know, some kids have, uh, lemonade stands. They, they do this during the summer on the weekends when it's hot and they're out of school, uh, lemonade stands. Well, last year, my, my two girls wanted to, um, be creative. They wanted to do something like that. And so instead of doing a hum, a, a, a lemonade stand, they did a hummus stand. They were selling hummus. They had two different sizes that you could, you could buy. Uh, they made all this themselves. Didn't have a, any help from me or from my wife. They made lemonade from actual lemons, you know, and added, I believe they added strawberries to it. They, uh, from time to time will also add mint and we have mint growing fresh. And, uh, they went out, they made cookies from scratch and, uh, they had a hummus stand with hummus and, and cookies and, and lemonade and you got free samples. So we had a, a big throng of people <laughs> outside my house. And I mean, they made some good money too. It's, it's pretty neat, you know, to see how they, uh, how they make this work. Very exciting. So uh, the, the book came about because of uh, my exposure to Middle Eastern cuisine. And then also uh, because in February 2014, I led a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. It was the first Food Meets Faith pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Select International Tours uh, did an excellent job putting this thing together. And uh, what they wanted to do is to kind of, it's kind of a, a, a two-edged thing, right? On the one hand, they really want to introduce people to the culture of the Holy Land because that's very important, you know? I mean, it, it, the Holy Land is holy because that's where Jesus 
came, right? Jesus was born in, in Bethlehem, which is in Palestine. Uh, all the miracles, all the stories we read in the Old Testament, I mean, in the New Testament, uh, in the scriptures come from that part of the world. So it is very important and it's holy for that reason, but it's holier, it's holy because of more than that. You know, it's holy also because the Christians that are living there today embody, if you will, the presence of Jesus there. And so Jesus is still there in the Holy Land. And we want to commemorate these, these holy places, you know, the, the, the Annunciation, the, the, the Visitation, the, the birth of Jesus, uh, the Last Supper, uh, the Cal- uh, Calgary, you know, Golgotha, where, where Jesus was crucified and then the, the, where he rose from the dead and uh, the, the Mount of the Ascension, all these holy places, these holy sites help to connect us in a concrete way to the scriptures that this stuff actually happened, right? It's not something that we, we made up. So Select International obviously has a, um, they, they want to help people to have this experience and to get this connection with the Holy Land. At the same time, um, the people in the Holy Land, I mean, one of the, the, their biggest industry there, if you think about it, it makes complete sense, is tourism, uh, that's how they make a living. And so you have so many Christians there who the way that they're able to remain in the Holy Land, the way that they're able to support their families is through tourism. So it's it's beneficial on both ways, on both ends. And so uh, one of the things that we did, we did this Food Meets Faith pilgrimage to the Holy Land, a Catholic foodie retreat uh, pilgrimage where we're there and we do all the, the classic pilgrimage experiences. We, we renew our baptismal promises in the Jordan. We get to go to the, the Church of the Annunciation. We're, we're there at, at, Calgary, at Calvary. We're, we're able to touch the, the, the spot where Jesus was crucified and died. We go to, to visit the, the, the tomb of the resurrection. All these awesome experiences that we had that were spiritual, that were holy, that were typical pilgrimage experiences, right? But in addition to that, we had this whole foodie track going on uh, where we got to dine in some of the best restaurants, both in Israel and in, in Israel and Palestine. We got to go back in the kitchen in some of these restaurants and also um, in, in a cooking school itself and, and get to cook with famous chefs. Uh, we got to uh, have uh, special tastings, uh, wine tastings, other kind of uh, food tastings that we, we were privileged to, to experience. And so all this stuff kind of made up an experience for us to grow in faith around the table of the Eucharist because we had mass every day. And then also the table of uh, the dinner table, right? Where we got to gather together and to break bread together in a, in a normal setting as a, as a family, as a group of people. So that's really what the cookbook came from. Liguori had contacted me right before I left for that trip. And they said, Hey, this is really exciting. You've been doing this Catholic foodie thing for, for several years. Would you like to write a book about this? I said, Hey, I would love to. And so Around the Table with the Catholic Foodie Middle Eastern Cuisine came out of that. And it's really been a joy. I love getting the response that I have gotten from people. As a matter of fact, I wanted to share with you this review that someone wrote. They shared this back in January. It just came uh, to my attention, though, uh, this past week. And I put it over at catholicfoodie.com. And I want to read this to you because I was very impressed with it. This is what I was trying to do with um, the book to really, you know, reach people, real people who cook in real kitchens. <clears throat> and this is uh, Gina 
who wrote this uh, over at goodreads.com. It's a, a quick review here of um, of this book. She says, I received this book from Ligori Publications. It's easily one of the best cookbooks I've come across and has earned a permanent spot on my shelf next to The Joy of Cooking. I love that every recipe is accompanied by a photo so that you can get an idea of how it should turn out. I also appreciate that the author added extra details in the recipe like brand preferences, preferences for fresh versus frozen or dry versus canned, or tips on size of ingredients, etc. The recipes do an amazing job of going step by step. A lot of recipe books skip over steps or leave you with questions. These recipes are written by a regular person as if they're written out for a friend with all the little steps included and notes about possible problems and fixes and substitutions. Every recipe is introduced with an intro about what the dish is and uh, the author's experience with it. The meze section, hummus, lamb stuff, cabbage, spinach, and feta pie was one of my favorites. I also adore the section on uh, soups, spinach and lentil, lentils and rice, lamb and tomato stew with crispy potatoes, carrot, etc. The bread, sides, chicken, lamb, and desserts are also good. Most of the dishes can be prepared and cooked in an hour. Uh, The recipe book... um, has added a lot more uh, lentils, rice, tomatoes, chickpeas, carrots, and cauliflower to my kitchen as staples. It also inspired me to start saving items I normally toss, like vegetable ends and meat bones, to use for soup stocks. Anyone with an interest in Middle Eastern food or even just food in general should add this cookbook to their collection. I really hope they add more books to this series. And we'll talk about this and give you the recipe after this break. We're here. You're listening to The Catholic Foodie on Real Life Radio. Shows Jeff Young, your host. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad to be here. So glad that you're here. And uh, before the break, I was uh, sharing with you this review of, of of my book that I came across last week. It just totally blew me away because, you know, she's right. This is Gina. Gina, who posted this over at Goodreads.com. Uh, she's right. I'm just a regular person. Yeah, I love to cook. I've never been professionally culinary culinarily trained, I guess that's a word, culinarily trained. Um, Well, actually, I'm a professional bartender. I have been trained professionally in that respect. That was from like a long time ago, though. Uh, But as far as cooking goes, I just, I'm self-taught. I I love it. In the kitchen, I love to try new things. I learned all these different recipes uh, for uh, the Middle Eastern food, the Lebanese food. But I I love to just go in the kitchen and play. I just make things up, you know, go in there. And, you know, I I like to look at recipes for ideas that give me a direction uh, of where I want to go. And uh, then just from there, just kind of go in and play around. And, you you know, when you take that kind of an attitude and you get in the kitchen, you're just playing around and and making something and it's going to be good no matter what. It really does turn out to be good no matter what, you know, unless you have a mishap, maybe burn something or (laughs) you can't really uh, unburn something, you know. So but other than that, I mean, a lot of times you just come up with some really, really good dishes, sometimes more complicated or complex than, than others, but it's, it's things that you can share with other folks. And that's what I do over at, at catholicfoodie.com. So yes, uh, Gina mentioned, she said, you know, I really hope they add more books to the series. So Gina, if you're listening, uh, that's the plan. That is uh, certainly the plan. We, we have uh, talked about the possibility of doing Italian cuisine, uh, Greek cuisine, believe it or not. We've talked about Spain. I'd love to go to Spain. I've always wanted to go to Spain. Uh, doing Spanish cuisine. I lived in Mexico. 
Mexico for two years. So uh, Mexican cuisine is certainly on the menu, uh, at least I would hope. Uh, so lots of good things to talk about. The neat thing about the book, though, is that I do share a story and the story each story does try to bring food and faith together in a very real context, right? The family table uh, with a real kitchen, with real people cooking in the, in the real kitchen. So it tries to bring all those things together. And it's very relatable. At least that's what I've been told. So as a side note, and I, I do want to share this with you, Gina does say, if it's a concern to anyone, this book can easily be appreciated by non-religious folks and Catholics alike. It's not preachy and does, uh, doesn't go into the Catholic faith a lot. Uh, the recipes do briefly touch on their connection to uh, the Holy Land and also talk about the ability of food in general to bring people together around a table. And I think that's important because, you know, sometimes I have encountered in the past that people get kind of nervous when they, you know, uh, if I ask to interview them and they're like, oh, the Catholic foodie, but I'm not Catholic. And it's like, well, so what? You know, yesterday we had an Orthodox priest on the show to talk about food and faith. You know, today I'm, I had a, a Greek Orthodox lady join us on the show, Gail, to talk with us about the Greek fest, you know, because why? Uh, these are all, uh, these are sacramental churches, first of all. These are, you know, churches that come out of the, the Bible. These are churches that, uh, or that uh, rather, these are churches that are based on the Bible, I should say. Um, you know, between the, the Greeks and the Catholics, we were only one church. There was only one Christian church until the year 1054. You know, so there's a lot more that binds us together than that separates us. So, yeah, I'm so happy that someone left this review and made the the comment, the observation that, hey, just because this guy's the Catholic foodie and the book is talking about the Catholic foodie, if you're not Catholic, don't be put off by that because there's something really good here that you can take away from it. Now, I promised you earlier a recipe and I'm going to give you one. And if I have time, I'll give you two. You know, hummus is one of those things. It's funny because I've noticed hummus is something we make all the time. But I've noticed that uh, it's kind of become trendy. You know, it's a fad. And you have companies out there, whereas, you know, five years ago, you didn't have this. You go to the grocery store, you're not going to find hummus in the grocery store. But it, it has become popular. And uh, the, you do have, I think Sabra is one of the companies. You have these different companies out there who, who make hummus industrially. And uh, they, they ship it. It's in stores all over the country. Um that's kind of unusual. It's so easy to make at home. And what I love about cooking and making it at home is that you get to make it the way you like it. And that's how recipes should be. You know, hummus is basically a paste. It's it's made with chickpeas. And uh, let me tell you, there's a couple of different ways you could do this. You can take chickpeas that are already prepared, like uh, in a can, canned chickpeas. Uh, Goya is a, a, a brand that I appreciate. Uh, but you can also just start with a regular bean. If you do that, a hard chickpea, a dry chickpea, you're going to have to soak those overnight in water. And then you have to boil them to cook them prior to using them to make hummus. So th- this recipe, by the way, is available for you over at catholicfoodie.com. You can, you can find it there, catholicfoodie.com. Just search for or Google Catholic foodie hummus, and you will certainly come across it. I also have recipes there to make pita from scratch if you are into baking. Uh, but you need chickpeas. And so normally I would get uh, two cans of, of chickpeas if I'm trying to do this quickly. I don't have a whole lot of time uh, to do the dry beans. I'll do two cans of chickpeas, uh, 15.5 ounces each, I believe is what they are. Uh, half a cup of tahini to start. Tahini is a sesame paste. It's kind of like peanut butter, except made with sesame seeds. Uh, you need 
extra virgin olive oil. I like to start with a quarter cup, a quarter cup of water, three or four cloves of garlic peel. Depends on how much garlic you like. You can certainly lessen up on that if you need to. Uh, and then we start with a teaspoon of kosher salt, uh, or you can do the salt to taste. A quarter cup, uh, not a quarter cup. Let me take that back. It's a quarter teaspoon of cayenne because I'm from South Louisiana. So I like things to have a little kick, you know, and then there's sumac. Sumac is not poison sumac. Sumac is almost a purple or magenta color. It's a berry. And they grind that up into like this powder, almost like the consistency of maybe cayenne. And uh, what sumac is, it's very, it has a very citrusy flavor to it. It almost tastes like lemon. And uh, we like to use a lot of lemon in our um, uh, hummus as well. We like to add lemon. Uh, so what you want to do is you want to put the chickpeas and the tahini, the lemon juice, the garlic, the olive oil in the work bowl of a food processor. I use a Cuisinart at home, but whatever food processor you have, you want to process that until it becomes the consistency of, of hummus, you know, uh, which is, which is, you don't want it to be too thick and you don't want it to be too thin. You want it to be just right. Kind of like that Goldilocks girl, you know, everything just right. Um, so you're going to probably need to add a little more olive oil or a little more uh, water, just, uh, you know, do so slowly. You can actually add it while the, the food processor is, is processing so you can kind of see the results right away. The olive oil will make the hummus richer and creamier where the, the water kind of helps to uh, thin it out. So the key here is to taste, taste, taste. You got to keep tasting it. Uh, you don't want the hummus too thick or too runny. So you want to make it to your liking. And uh, you, same thing with the salt and the cayenne. Add however much you like. If you want a little more saltier, a little more hotter, you can certainly add more. Um, just remember to do do so slowly and you may want to process it in between adding anything. That way it mixes it up. And so when you go to taste it again, you're getting it, uh, you know, you're tasting it once it's been combined. Uh, what we like to do is to serve and to really do a, a nice presentation with the hummus. So we will, we will put it in a, a flat edged or flat uh, rimmed uh, or low rimmed uh, flat dish, a, a large dish. Um, and then we like to drizzle it with olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. And we garnish it with uh, some chopped parsley over the top. And uh, we, we also do sprinkle some uh, sumac on top as a garnish. And um, if you're lucky and, and you come by the house, uh, I'll even sprinkle some cayenne on top because I like that extra kick, you know, in addition to what's already in there. So that's a very simple recipe for hummus. It does not, uh, not hard to make. If you don't have time to make pita from scratch, you can always pick pita up from the store. We like to, to throw it into the oven at 350 degrees, um, just for a few minutes to kind of get it a little warm. Don't want it toasted necessarily because, uh, we like it to be pliable and we'll do a few of those at a time and then pull them out, cut them into little triangles and, uh, and just eat that hummus. It's, it's wonderful. Part of what we call in the Middle Eastern cuisine is a meze, M-E-Z-Z-E. Uh, there are lots of different dishes with a meze. And if you go, that's one of the things I really appreciate about Middle Eastern culture, Middle Eastern cuisine is the way that that food is served. You know, we have... Um, a tendency here in the States, I think, that uh, even when you go out to a restaurant, sometimes your your appetizer and your entree arrive at the same time. Have you ever had that experience? It happens. It happens a lot. And I really appreciate a restaurant 
who can space out their courses. So if it's, uh, you know, you have an appetizer, you maybe share that at the table and then you have a salad, then you have a, a, a an entree that comes. I like it to be spaced out that way. It's really the way it's supposed to be. You know, it helps to, with digestion, but it also helps with conversation. You, you converse and spend time and linger at table and the, 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 um, in the Middle East, in, the, in Lebanon, in the, in the Middle East, folks know how to linger at table. And meze is one of those things that, that helps with that. And what is a meze? Meze is a bunch of small plates they put on the table. It could be a bunch of different recipes. And it's something that really is distinctly Middle Eastern, you know. Uh, it's kind of like an appetizer, except it's not just one appetizer. It's several appetizers and they're all out on the table and people just kind of graze. They, they pick at the plates. It's not like you're sitting down and eating. A lot of times the meze is happening um, with people standing up and just standing up talking, maybe sipping on a glass of wine and uh, tasting a little bit of hummus with pita, um, maybe baba ganoush. Baba ganoush is another uh, dip that is made not with chickpeas, but with uh, eggplant. You know, eggplant is a very big deal in the Holy Land. Aubergine, they call it there. So I've got a couple of recipes in the book, and I'll share them here with you um, at, on the Catholic Foodie Show in coming days and weeks. But uh, um, baba ganoush is something that's very popular here in the States. And so is um, uh, mutabal. Mutabal is something that you may not hear it called mutabal, but it's actually a little bit more like more similar, I should say, to um, hummus than baba ganoush is, but both, again, made with um, made with aubergine or eggplant. So you could have stuffed grape leaves. You could have um, uh, fried kibbe as uh, as an, uh, part of a meze. And we're going to get more into meze. We'll get more into recipes, too, here at the Catholic Foodie Show in coming days. But we are out of time, folks. So I hope that you have a wonderful uh, Thursday evening. Uh, this is the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio. Please do go check out uh, the GoFundMe campaign, GoFundMe.com slash Real Life Appeal. This is important. helps us to make necessary improvements uh, on the Real Life app. You can always check it out at realliferadio.com. See you tomorrow.